Okay, with Robert Stephen Mack once again, uh, The Dancing Man is the short film. It's a ballet film. I think you're the first, this is your third time on this podcast. That's correct, right? My third time, yes. So the, you're the first time, the first person to ever be on the three-timers club. And I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed someone for the third time. So, Well, I'm honored. You're an exclusive company. Clearly. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a button that says the three timers club. How about that? <laughs> uh, I'd be happy to take that. Uh, okay, so how are things? It's uh, the Dancing Man. It's it's your ballet film. It's twenty three minutes long. It seems like every time you make a film, you're getting more ambitious. And and each time you make a film, would that be a correct assessment? Well, I think that's been one of the goals uh, is to build up to more and more complex storytelling. Uh, Dancing Man was in some ways uh, the culmination of a lot of the work we've done in other films um, because it's not merely a dance film, but it's a narrative film um, mm. with dance or told with dance. Uh, and it's a love so, story too, I guess, right? Yes, it's also a romance, yes. What, where are we? What, what, what era are we in in this film? We're in the present day. But you you call it the golden age of uh, of musical. He's trying to play. There's a he, like in your synopsis. You call it the pipe dream, which I found That's interesting. Right. The he's he's these Gabriel is is or she's she's trying to go after her dream of uh, of of being in in the musicals, I guess, right? And and that's the conflict in the movie. Well, the conflict is that David. So David's a dreamer, and he yeah. wants to. Uh, he wishes he was born in the days of Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, the golden age of the Hollywood musical. Um, but instead he's in the drabble modern times and he's doing ballet, which he feels conflicted about because he, uh, he would much rather be in musicals, but he's sort of stuck in a rut. And the conflict comes when uh, Gabrielle arrives at his ballet company and they have a thing that starts stewing uh, the two of them, but he also gets a offer to dance at a different company in New York uh, that focuses on the style that he aspires to dance. So he has to make a very difficult decision. Well, I bundled that question and you saved me with that answer. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, it it's fantastic. So, go ahead. No, no, no. As I was saying, it, it was close enough. So so then, so tell me about the idea. Where did this idea come from? And uh, like, is it uh, was it Clar Clarice? Is it Clarice who wrote the screenplay? Clarice wrote the screenplay. Yes. And, she and uh, with well, you? yes, she's my co-director as well. Uh, we developed the story together. You know, in fact, it, it was it was her idea to draw on. Uh, shall I say, without giving too much away, my own life a little bit. Um, in that I am a ballet dancer. And to some extent or another, I do uh, look back a little bit longingly to the golden age of Hollywood. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do feel tugged in different directions and whether it's in my case, filmmaking or uh, ballet. Um, so we, we based it a little bit around uh, my own, uh, uh, my own life in that way. And, uh, and we took it from there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's drawn from another number of, of things, you know, my own life and maybe just a general sort of ennui at the, at, 
what seems like the drabness of the lives that we lead in this sort of technological and ever more complex society and this idea that maybe the grass would have been greener had we been born, I don't know, 50 years earlier, 60 years earlier. So do you think like, so do you, do you personally, do you wish there's more musicals being made in Hollywood? More musicals being made in Hollywood, of course, uh, I, I think so. But um, a lot of the musicals that tend to be made, La La Land is an exception. I, I'm quite partial to La La Land, um, tend to be very uh, flashy and uh, sort of gratuitous in a way that the old musicals were more sort of charming and, and unassuming. Gotcha. You you brought up La La Land and La La Land hired he hired like non musicians and non dancers to act right. as the star in his film and it, it it was pretty evident in the movie which kind of gave it its own charm where you talk about Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire they were they've been performing for you know they the ten thousand hour rule times a hundred right they've been they've been dancing their whole lives where you know, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone were just actors, I guess, right? That's an interesting point. And I agree that it is part of the charm that Ryan Gosling is not really a singer and, yeah. you know, his tap dancing skills are definitely not on the level of Gene Kelly. And, you know, neither of them are musical comedy stars the way Astaire or Kelly yeah. were. Um, and I think that that does give it a certain amount of charm. But at the same time in Hollywood today, you don't find you know, triple threats very often, or these, these guys who could sing, dance, you know, Fred Astaire did, you know, was famous for wanting to film his dance sequences in one take with as little editing as possible. And there are just very few uh, talented people in Hollywood today who I think um, could pull that off in the same way. Um, that's, that's sort of my grand point is that they don't, they don't chase after those, those talents, right? Because That's they don't right. make those movies, you know. They don't make those movies, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, there's a there. I don't exactly know when it it happened, but at some point or another, Broadway and Hollywood sort of diverged a little bit. Maybe it was during the 1960s when the movie musical was, mm -hmm. you know, becoming out of fashion, and and people thought that you know uh, uh, movies like Hello Dolly were too stage like, so musicals migrated or maybe migrated away from, from the movies, yeah. it's fair to say. Um, yeah. For our own casting though, we, we, were, we were adamant about having real dancers in all of the main roles. Well, they, yeah, because what happens is that it's like they, the musical stopped making money at the box office in the sixties because they produced so many of them. It just, right. it just ran out of energy, right? Which happened with Westerns happens with genres all the time it's going to happen with the comic book industry now right like there's you're going to overproduce it is happening yeah yeah it is happening so it just what it just what happens right it just runs out of steam they they just they burn it out right so that's what happened with musicals so and also yeah. too you know this the mentality yeah. of the audience the western world audience of like after nixon after this you know martin luther king assassination you know, et cetera, Bobby Kennedy assassination, people didn't want to, they wanted dark dramas and that's what they got in the seventies. Right. It's just because that's what the, yeah. the audience was in that kind of cynical kind of uh, mentality in their lives, lives. Right. So. 
Yeah, I mean, movies always reflect the culture for sure. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, that, that doesn't apply just to Westerns, but, you know, certainly if, if you look at the Westerns, you know, in, in the 1960s, the movies of John Wayne and John Ford went out of style and in favor of uh, more ambiguous works of uh, Sergi Leone and, and Clint Eastwood. Um, yeah. the, an the rise of the anti-hero, you know, yeah. darker, yeah. greenier movies. Which, you know, when our president's when the president's a crook, right? You're gonna have to have those those type of type of films, you know what I mean? So, but I think that I think that there is there is obviously broad Broadway is is immensely successful, never been more successful than it is now in terms of in terms of popularity. So there's something there, but then that that the translation to movies is is interesting because it's the actually the opposite because a movie's made and then they turn it into a musical, right? <laughs> like, so it's like it used to be before they used to make a musical and turn it into a movie. Now they make a movie and turn it into a musical, right? So. Yeah. There's like back, back to the future, the musical, there's mean girls, the musical. There's Rocky, the musical, um, right? Yeah. There's yeah. Rocky, the musical. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I don't know necessarily that the musical of today translates as well to 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 film either or you know or maybe it does but i mean for me personally like if i'm gonna see hamilton i'll i i'll just watch the film stage version or you know, something like that there 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 has to be something something unique and and specific to the medium of film i think to really distinguish itself uh from the stage version Gotcha. And is that, is that, would, would that be honest, that, that would be your pursuit as a filmmaker? Would you want to, to direct and star and be like your hero? I guess I'm assuming he's your hero, uh, Fred Astaire, you know, like <laughs> he's, they were quadruple threats, right? They also directed their films and they, obviously they did the Corey Goff and they wrote it and they starred in it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they, these, I mean, Fred Astaire, um, changed the way that we film dancing and he he is really you know he is the one who moved the mu music movie musical forward out of its infancy so we have him to thank for that um gene kelly was the real polymath because he choreographed he yeah. directed um and so maybe i would i would like to be kind of a combination of the yeah. two of them and uh, we are working on a feature length version of dancing man so maybe someday uh, I'll get my shot. Well, Gene Kelly, you know, they say he was a bit of a hard ass, right? Like he was pretty, he was pretty intense guy. Like he was a perfectionist and he treated his co-stars badly. That's what the, that's what they, the biopics at least have said what I've written, uh, talk about. Well, I mean, I think that any, any dancer worth, worth his salt is, is a perfectionist and probably the same goes for a film director. Um, you know, and, and, and as for, as for uh, you know whatever happened with his his co-stars, I think there are probably a lot of stories one way or the other. But uh, you know if if you look at the the exploits of somebody like John Ford, um, I, I think Gene Kelly was probably a pussycat to work with, honestly. <laughs> yeah, touche, right? Or uh, who's the who's the, I? Oh my God, he's got a, a brain freeze. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of filmmakers now who are pretty are pretty intense as well, right? So. I'm sure. I'm sure. You, you. I, I think you find a lot of personalities in in this business. 
for better or for worse, right? <laughs> so tell me about, okay, so let's talk about the making of this film. I'm, I, I, I just wanted to ask about the specifics of the filming because your first scene, you're in the, I guess you're in the, in the ballet studio and you have this huge mirror in the back. And it's almost like, oh my God, that must have been the most difficult way to make a film to make to do the scene because you gotta it's like not only do you have to make sure that you're it's like you're you're filming the background and the foreground at the same time. It's like the continuity must have been a nightmare when you're making that doing that scene. It's just challenging to shoot in a ballet studio because ballet studios are all mirrors. Yeah. So where exactly do you point the camera? Uh we've we've encountered that problem before and it's uh it's always challenging to work around. So, so then, so, so basically, so Clarice, uh, tell me about your relationship with Clarice. Where, where did you meet them first? Uh, Clarice, um, well, I've, I've been working with her since I was a sophomore in college and uh, she had also been a dancer, but unlike me, she had made the jump to filmmaking and she was getting her degree in film. Um, so, and I was a ballet major, um, we, but the nexus was we were both interested in making ballet films. And, you know, she's she's more on the writer's side of things. I'm a little bit more on the producer side. And when we co-direct, we kind of meet and uh, and our strengths complement each other well. So we've done, we did a number of dance-related films, a number of non-dance-related films. Um, uh, and... Uh, when I made the decision actually to uh, stay at Indiana University um, after I got my ballet degree and do a master's there um, and continue to dance and, and do, uh, uh, and you know, get, dance with Indianapolis Ballet and still dance at IU Ballet Theater, um, I called her and said, you know, we still have uh, the people that we like to work with in town. Why don't we round up the old gang and make this movie? So that's what we did. Um, yeah. Where are you, where are you living now? Uh, I'm still in Indianapolis. I dance with Indianapolis Ballet. Gotcha. And, and so do you want to, are you going to do that, take, do that dream scenario yourself personally and, and head off to Los Angeles? Well, that depends if New York gets, starts a calling. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, they have to call you first. Uh, they have to make the phone call first for you to go, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess in a, I, ideally, yeah. But um, yeah, we'll see. I'll I'll keep dancing for for a few years and uh, and then uh, and probably pursue uh, film. Gotcha. Well, there's some really great uh, moments in the in the film in terms of uh and of dancing, and obviously you have a co-star in the film. Is it is it Anna Anna Lipchik? Is that that's her name? Yep, Anna Lipchik. Where did you She's find a colleague. her? She um well I met her actually when I was guesting uh, my first year in my master's program. I was just guesting with Indianapolis Ballet at the time, and still dancing full time at IU. But Anna was a brand new company member there, and it had just so happened that she had uh, um, applied for. Uh, the role of Gabrielle and uh, she's a, an immensely talented dancer and uh, we're still uh, uh, good colleagues and friends. Um, and, uh, and so we were lucky to get her. Yeah. You guys have a nice chemistry. You guys uh, tell me, but did you do all the choreography of the film? Did you do it like yourself? 
actually the choreographer um, was another company member at the time, uh, Chris Lingner, um, who did a lot of the principal roles with Indianapolis Ballet uh, when he was dancing. Um, and he and his brother used to, uh, when they were kids, uh, they would like take the, the dance numbers from Singing in the Rain um, and they would like, uh, like that, that one number, it's, this, it's escaping me with Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly, uh, something with smiling or they're with a vocal coach or something like yeah. that. And anyway, they would, they would, you know, step by step for step, they would, they would do those dances perfectly. And his brother's now on Broadway and Chris has a lot of experience with musical theater. So I tapped into him to do the choreography and I thought it was, uh, was an excellent choice. As a matter of fact, he is a Tony nominated Broadway producer as well. So he has a wealth of experience and uh, he was a perfect fit. That's amazing. And I also go, you talk about Gene Kelly, but Donald O'Connor was a pretty, pretty amazing dancer himself, right? So. Oh yeah. 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 Just, just, just hilarious. He's just one of those people who's inherently funny and very talented. So they choreographed that singing. I remember there was a, there was a moment in Singing in the Rain where he he doesn't he dance off the wall, doesn't he like jump off the wall? They did yeah, that. Yeah, and I do not know how he did it, but he was just he was he, he was just this uh, this gooey human being who could do these superhuman things. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. I, I I can't imagine seeing anybody do that in in films today. I think it's hard to find talent like that. What about yourself? Do you think you can pull that off? Oh, I probably break something. <laughs> Well, I, well, I'm sure he, the first time he did it, it's like, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's almost, it's, it's kind of like doing a backflip and it's like, if you're going to, you're not going to do it right. It's, it's practice, I guess. Right. Oh, back, backflips scare me too. But, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's next level. Um, uh, maybe, maybe with, uh, with enough, with enough training and, um, a few, a few classes of courage, maybe I could attempt it. Gotcha. So, so tell me about, uh, so tell me about the, the ending of the film. What do you like? Uh, I hope you, if you I hope we're okay to talk about it. What are you trying to say? Like with your ending, like thematically? Well, I mean, the, uh, the endings uh, more ambiguous than the feature film would be actually, Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but also the, the, the feature film ending is, is I, I won't, I won't spoil that, but it's, it is quite different um, in a way, but um, you know, basically he, you know, he symbolically throws that lilac into the, uh, into the, these are major spoilers, obviously, if, nobody, yeah, yeah. if you have film, but, you know, he symbolically throws that lilac into the cracks and, um, and he goes and does what he has to do. And, you know, I think it, it's saying that sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, you know, Gabrielle doesn't really get him. Um, interestingly enough, his friend Allie gets him a little bit better. Um, but he he goes where ultimately his his heart is uh, set on him going. So he, he chooses his passion over his love, I guess, right? In a, in a way, yeah. But, you know, you could you could probably see him and Gabrielle never really working out. Yeah, gotcha. And where did you shot this all in Indiana? Uh, entirely in Bloomington, Indiana. Yes, Bloomington, Indiana, best known um, um, that for that uh, uh, film um, uh, 
uh, wow, now it's escaping me, but uh, um, it's about the, the indie. Hoosiers is one. That's that's a movie by Angelo Pizzo, but it's the other one. Uh, it's about the Little 500. Indianapolis 500? The, the, the Little 500, so it's with bikes. Okay. Now, oh, well, now, now I'm, uh, I'm going to have to look it up because <laughs> a I little 500 like I've just, dis, I've disgraced my college town by forgetting this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they, they, they like their car. They like their basketball. They like their car racing, I guess. Right. They love their basketball and that's what Hoosiers about breaking away. Good breaking. Oh, breaking, breaking the waves. Yeah. Breaking away. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an indie film um, with the young Dennis Quaid and it's it's about the little 500 and basically it's about the townies versus the students uh fascinating film and and when you watch it you realize that bloomington hasn't changed that much i'm gonna tell you a funny story my um my dad was uh loved that film he was a cyclist and you know how he calls he wants to be italian the the cyclist and he calls his cat fellini yeah so we ended up calling our family cat fellini because of that film i love that yeah. I love that. That's, I'm very, I'm very familiar with Breaking Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny a good, story. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good movie. Yeah. So and 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 Bloomington is is a beautiful little college town and uh, very photogenic. And so we shot the entire thing both in Indiana University's campus and just in spots around Bloomington. Gotcha. So then, the, the, yeah, that's pretty cool. There's some, there's some really nice moments in the, in the nice some like uh, in terms of scene. You have a lot of scenes too, right? Where was that scene where the, you guys dance? You guys do the choreography dance when she's in the dress. Where was that? Where was that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The um, that that that's kind of the performance scene. Uh, that's that was shot in a park. It's it's near the end of the film, and that was shot in a, yeah, that was shot in a in a park in uh, in Bloomington. I'll tell you a funny story about shooting that scene, by the way. We, um, you know, we had a heck of a time actually trying to get a theater for that scene. And then we we decided just to go with kind of this outdoor amp- amphitheater. And we figured that by the time it got dark, the lights would come on and it would it would look stage like. And so we were we shot that scene with David and Gabrielle lying on the ground. And then we waited all of this time uh, for the sun to go down so that the lights would come on. and then the the like city guy comes on and says, "Hey, I'm so so sorry, but we have to shut your power down." So like, this is the power for the lights, this is the power for everything. And he was like, "I'm sorry," and and my AD was like, "Wait, what? What?" But the film permit and it's just it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah, um, we had 20 minutes, so you know, without freaking out my uh, my co-stars any, I said, "You know what? We have to get this in one take. Let's set up and." Uh, and uh, sure enough, we got it. But we do have an outtake in which it's really funny. But the the like city electrician guy is coming on screen and, and shooting off the power while we're d- doing the dance. Uh, never know what will happen when you're making a movie on a shoestring budget. But anyway, I like how that scene turned out. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and so you just think you got you to gotta do it in one shot. Well, you know, true to the spirit of Fred Astaire, I guess. I don't think he did ever. Did he ever do anything in one? Like I know he did in coverage take, in one oh, take. No. Fred would Fred would do like thirty five. I was gonna say I don't think he's ever heard of one take before. Would be bleeding and he would be getting hit in the face with her, you know, heavy dresses and still okay. Another take, and uh, 
so he was a perfectionist. And even after all of that, sometimes they would just use the first take anyway, because it turned out to be the best. But um, no, we didn't have that luxury of doing 35 takes, unfortunately. Well, as a dancer, that's a lot of that's a lot of endurance. That's like you got to be in pretty amazing shape to to do it, to do the routine over and over and over again. Yeah, dancing for film is intense that way because you know on stage it's like you rehearse, okay, you take a break, you get some notes, but on film it's like you do this hard routine, and they're like, okay, we're going again, <laughs> and again, and again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when when dancers uh, come and, and work on my films, they're usually uh, surprised by how much work it actually is. So you're always doing something. So do you? Uh, you said you did. There's, is there is a feature script written up for, from this script? Is it, is it already done? We have a version, but we're we're still working on it. Um, but you know, um, hopefully in the in in the future, the near future, ideally. Um, we'll have, uh, uh, you know, a script to, um, to pitch. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I'm just working on a couple of other projects. I'm doing a documentary on my alma mater, Indiana University's new production of The Nutcracker. Um, and I'm working on a script for another short as well. Gotcha. Would you ever want to mix in the, like a, a basketball musical, like to be like Indiana style? <laughs> Oh, well, uh, you know, if I'm going to stick around Indiana, I think I'd probably better. <laughs> there are an awful lot of ballet, basketball fans and uh, and only so many ballet fans in Indiana. So maybe we would just mix the worlds. And Well, uh, that's what you, but that's how you have to educate. You got to, that's like, you tell people it's a basketball movie, then it turns out to be a, a ballet basketball movie. Yeah, like a, a basketball player falls in love with a ballerina, and uh, but he, he had, but he takes a ballet class in order to impress her or something like that. I don't know. It could be fun. Hoosiers, the musical, right? So I Hoosiers definitely can see that. Uh, I don't know how Angelo Pisa would, would feel about that. I think we have to call it something other than Hoosiers, unless we were literally adapting the movie. No, I mean, uh, you're literally adapting the movie. Like it's, you make it a, you make it. A oh, movie. honestly. I, yeah. If we could get Angelo Pisa on board, uh, Angelo, if you're listening, uh, give me a call. Yeah. Your the your legendary basketball coach uh, Bobby Knight just died, right? Uh, was that a big uh, yes, deal in Indiana? Sorry, was that was that, I'm assuming that was a big deal in Indiana just recently. Bobby Knight is uh, is a legend. Yeah, yeah. There isn't a more colorful figure in all Indiana. Yeah, uh, I don't he, think people don't know him. Just Google him. He's got he's got a pretty sketchy fat past, but he won some basketball games, I guess. Right. <laughs> He he won quite a few, yeah. He won quite a few, but he, yeah, his his technique of coaching was a little bit, you know. You can oh yeah, and it would it would it would never go today either. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, ultimately, then he he had to leave us for yeah, Texas had to go. Tech over some incident. You know, probably probably <laughs> not 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 the first probably, but uh, he lived out his life in in Bloomington and. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he certainly made his mark in uh, in both the game and in Indiana. So, well, that's pretty cool. So you're all you, like I said, you're always constantly doing something. You're always kind of making movies. You're doing a show. Like it seems like you really found. You're not from Indiana originally, right? You're kind of a from California, actually. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's it it is kind of funny that I've sticked around 
uh, as, as long as I have. Uh, and I do love California. Maybe someday I'll go back. Um, but no, I mean, it, Indiana has, uh, it's, it's given me a lot. It's given me the best ballet training. I've, uh, I've had to, I've been able to live out a ballet career here while pursuing filmmaking. And hopefully that'll continue with my next short Bloomington Graffiti, um, uh, as well as, uh, you know, pursue a, a great education and uh, meet great down to earth people. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for my time in Indiana. I have a general question to ask you. How do you how do we get more ma- men to to do to to join dance classes and to <laughs> join ballet and to join like hip hop or jazz or whatever or tap or like how do we get more men to do that? Well, uh, I think they're more than there used to be, but um, I you know I think you just have to uh, to de destigmatize it a little bit. And uh, I think that the model for doing that was Baryshnikov. I think Baryshnikov did that best. Um, Baryshnikov was one of these rare artists, you know, first of all, fascinating background. He was a Soviet Union defector, just had an exciting life and also made the successful transition into acting and, and movies as well. And um, through his TV and film appearances just helped um, popularize uh the male ballet dancer and uh you know he was he had charisma and athleticism and uh i think that that's that's the model um but you know there there are different ways to do that i'm i'm sure and it you know and it and, and it doesn't help on top of that that it's not the uh the best paying job in the whole wide world but uh you know if you're if you're passionate about it you will you will stick with it and uh and so probably encouraging as well, you know, civic organizations to uh, support the training of, of young male ballet dancers and, well, frankly, ballet dancers in, in, in general, because it's so expensive, um, is, a, is a, a major um, factor as well. Well, I just think they, like, they, I think there's a selling point. I'm just being, uh, I know it's different states and different countries and stuff like that. But listen, ballet schools seem to be doing pretty good. <laughs> in suburban suburban land americana let's put it that way right and uh and it's not about you know making a living it's just about kind of like it's like it's like a sport in a sense right where you you're you 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 learn something like doing that routine the discipline you know the camaraderie with your with your fellow uh, dancers all these other things right it's like but then i think there's 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 there's, there's a like, kind of a stigma like they're they're not selling the male you know what I mean? To, to do these, to join these organizations enough. I think it's very fair. I, I, I think that a lot of, uh, that a lot of young guys are drawn to more um, competitive sports um, to get that competitive um, side, like to give that competitive side an outlet. But um, what many don't realize is that ballet is, you know, while not exactly a sport, it's a very athletic and it's, yeah, I yes, guess competitive a, yeah. activity. And, you know, it, 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 it's challenging uh, mentally, physically, and um, it just te- teaches you to be a stronger, um, persevering uh, individual who's uh, who's able to work toward long-term goals and and have discipline and have uh, long-range vision. And uh, so it, it, it teaches you a number of great life lessons that sports can teach you as well. So, 100%. you know, and, 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 you know, there's, there's also a reason of course that, Football players, for example, sometimes take ballet 
class. It's, it's good for flexibility and balance and all sorts of things. So, you know, maybe school programs should, you know, like PE programs should have um, a dance option or maybe like guys should be required to, um, you know, learn dancing in, yeah. in high school, at least for a little bit. And, and that is something um, that you'll find in other cultures or in other times in culture. You know, I mean, there was a time, for instance, where in, uh, in Imperial Russia and in Soviet Russia, you know, the um, soldiers and the ballet dancers were basically in the same quad in St. Petersburg. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and boys throughout Russia, for example, would be expected to learn folk dancing and, uh, uh, and, and whatnot. So uh, maybe it's, maybe schools can play a part in, as, as well and, and uh, opening up people to dance as a, you know, as a sport, as a social activity, as a way for uh, personal improvement and, uh, and, uh, and to champion that and, and uh, to yeah. young people. You just have to get rid of that stigma. And uh, you brought up the, there's like tons of NFL players playing now, especially like the skills positions like wide receivers, running back who did ballet. Right. But they're not going to, they're not going to admit it. They're like, it's so, it's so dumb in a sense where like, if say a big star, like, you know, Stefan Diggs or whoever, right. Basically said, Hey, I took ballet. Cause he did. I took ballet when I was a, a kid then it basically breaks the stigma where like, oh, look at this guy. Look at this macho athlete. He took ballet, so I'll take it too, right? So, but then people are like, oh, they're so afraid to talk about it. You know what I mean? It's just, I find it so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the the, the more you can get um, uh, people with that kind of uh, visibility talking about uh, what ballet did for them, I think uh, the better off the uh, the art form is, is going to be as well. Um, because you're seeing you you uh you, you pick up your child anybody picks up their child from dance class and it's always girls right it's like where are the boys <laughs> so yeah just a general I'm just curious what your point of view because obviously you got a scholarship at Indiana we touched on on a previous podcast like you you you've done well for yourself and and you 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 know what I mean like it's it's you it's yeah. look, look where you are now right and and it it IU one of the the great things was there were like 20 guys and they were all really good. And so it was a competitive environment. Um, and uh, you, you push yourselves to be better, but, you know, in a good way, in a constructive way and healthy way with a lot of camaraderie. But uh, um, yeah, that's, that's what happens when you get into uh, the higher levels, the, those higher level training programs where, you know, you're surrounded by the best guys and there are a lot of them. Um, but I think it's harder at the lower more local levels, yeah. you know, smaller schools, you know, they, they're lucky if they have one or two guys a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. For every, like two, for every hundred girls. Right. So. Exactly. I mean, imagine, imagine the first partnering class, right. And this one poor little guy has like 40 girls lined up waiting it's, to partner with him. It's, it's daunting. I, cause I can, when, if I was like six, seven, eight years old as a boy, that would be so daunting for me. I don't think I would be able to do it. I'm just being honest. And that's the problem. Right. So. Yeah. Oh no. I mean it, yeah, it, it, it is kind of scary. Cause like when you're young and you're like, well, well, uh, I don't, I have, don't have a lot of partnering experience and there are, there are all these girls. I don't really know how to partner. And what are they going to think if I don't know how to partner? And also this is exhausting, you know, so it's all, all sorts of different things. But I think that when, then 
when you can have, uh, um, uh, you know, other guys to kind of uh, pick you up and, and support you and learn from and, uh, and, and mentor you. Um, I think that it becomes easier to, uh, to throw yourself into new situations like that. Yeah, yeah. Just something to think about, just like throw some money at it, get these, get these NFL stars to talk about their dancing careers or their dancing past. You know what I mean? Have a good, have a big program. Because I honestly yeah, don't yeah. understand it. It's like it's such a good thing. I wish I did it when I was a kid, but I wouldn't have. That's the problem. I wouldn't have because I would have been scared to do it because it was all, it was all like girls who did it, right? So, yeah, it it like when I was growing up, it wasn't at least for me the like it wasn't like uh, you. I would get bullied for for doing ballet or whatever. But it was like, oh, you're doing you're doing ballet, like. Like, why? Like, who does that? Who does ballet? Why why not just do the easier path that everybody else is doing? Why not? If you don't want to do a sport, just do golf, you know? But, you know, no. Uh, Nobody understood what I was doing in high school because I would I would go home um, or not go home, but I would go to I would go to ballet class, you know, early. And uh, people like, where do you where do you go? And I was like, "I, I do ballet for four hours after school every day. Four hours. Just, wow. Yeah. Oh, it was intense and and kind of crazy. Actually, I don't know that I recommend it, but uh, it, it was it was no, it was good though. But that's how you got good, and that's how you got your scholarship, right? So. Yeah, I mean, the, to the extent that I got good, it was it was because I worked really hard and put all those hours in after school and on weekends. I would be dancing all weekends. I would not have a weekend. I would not have a Friday night. I wouldn't be hanging out with friends. It was it was always a struggle to get all that homework in because I would get home after four hours or three or four hours of dancing and I'd be tired. And, uh, and then this mound of homework would be waiting. Um, and that's, that's, that's another thing, honestly, it's, it just with how difficult, um, and time consuming, uh, school has become, um, for a lot of high schoolers now, uh, taking, taking on a serious activity like dance, which requires so many hours of training, uh, can just be really impractical with the pressures of um, school and other extracurricular activities that you're expected to do in order to get into college or whatever. That's yeah. another challenge. And, and, and sometimes schools don't really get how to accommodate for that. So one last uh, question I got to ask you, and I'll, uh, I'm taking too much of your time. You have, but you have to keep yourself in like elite shape. Like I'm, one would assume, right? Like, you are like in terms of your diet, in terms of your, your discipline and basically like making sure that you're always working out, you're always keeping your body fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Valley is rigorous in that way. And it is after all a, a, you know, it's a, it's a visual aesthetic and, and, you know, you need to, uh, you need to keep yourself in, in the best condition that you can. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean you starve yourself or that you, never have a cookie, you know, yeah. once in a while, but, uh, you know, it, it, it does mean for sure that you're you find the best way, uh, for you to, um, you know, stay in shape and, and honestly, ballet does a pretty good job of that, but there are different conditioning things and, you know, weight training things. And, uh, you always want to make sure that you're eating the right kind of foods, foods that, um, will fuel you, um, but not necessarily, you know, weigh you down or, um, you know, make you put on too much. Uh, yeah. uh, 
film. But it's always on the mind. It's always like it's always a, it, it is it's, always on the mind. Daily it's always, for, any, for any working dancer, it's it's always on the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. You're always like I said, you're always busy. And I, I don't think you're you've hit 25 yet. So it's kind of amazing what you've done accomplished so far. So so keep going. Uh don't burn yourself out and uh make those features. Dave, there's there's definitely an audience for, it, especially with the streaming world. I think there's a there's a there's a there's an untapped market in the of the dance film that that hasn't been seen yet. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. So um so we'll see what happens, but I'll for sure keep keep plugging away. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for your time and uh then welcome to the Three Timers Club. Amazing. I'm honored and uh thank you, Matt, for the for the great conversation. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hasenbemp Incorporated.